Hallelujah. Oh, how many are ready for an encounter with God today? How many? Only a few. Turn your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter number 3. It's a long story. I know we all know the story, but I'm just going to rehearse a few uh, verses with us and then we will take off. Amen. If you are looking for a title, today is our Shiloh um, service, which is a special service. It's a service that we come like Hannah came to Shiloh and made a covenant with God. We come to make a, a covenant with God. And our wish and our prayer is that we have an encounter. So I want to title my message, Having an Encounter with God. Hallelujah. Having an encounter with God. And the best, as far as I'm concerned, the best example of having an encounter with God is the encounter that Moses had with God. Amen. I want to give you a little background to this story before I start. And uh, we know that Moses was a little baby that was floating on the Nile. And when Pharaoh's daughter came to have a, a bath one day, Pharaoh's daughter saw this baby crying and adopted the, 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 the child. And the child, Moses, grew up in Pharaoh's house, even though he was an Israelite. He was brought up with all the comforts that Pharaoh could give. Hallelujah. And uh, with that said, the Bible says that when he was 40 years old, one day he was just walking around and he saw an, an Egyptian beating uh, an Israelite. And what he did was he looked with this side, he looked the other side, and he killed the Egyptian. And the next day when he came, he saw two Israelites quarreling amongst themselves. And he went to say to them that, listen, don't fight amongst yourself. You are brothers. And as he was talking, one of them looked at him in the face and said that, do you know, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Do you think we don't know what you have been up to? Remember that Moses, as his name was drawn out of water, was supposed to draw out Israel from the land of bondage to the promised land. Hallelujah. He was, he, that was his, his destiny. That was what God has purposed for him to achieve. But because he did not know how to do it God's way, he tried to do it his own way. You know, sometimes when you do try to do things your own way, you go wrong. How many know what I'm talking about? And see, every mistake, sometimes there, there are recoveries, but there are some mistakes when you make, you can't recover. You know, this mistake that Moses made, made him a fugitive from the land where he was supposed to rescue people from. And it took him on exile. And that exile took him another 40 years. This time, he was led to go and feed sheep. He was supposed to be leading men, but because of his mistake, he ended up feeding sheep and leading sheep. Hallelujah. So, with all that said, let's go to the story. Exodus chapter 3. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to Horeb, 
the mountain of God. If the Bible you are using belongs to you, circle the word, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw, draw near to this place. Take off, take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And God said, I have surely seen the oppressions of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry, and because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down. To deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring up, to bring them up from the land, from that land to a, a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Hallelujah. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and have seen the oppression which, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. If I carry on the story, we all know the story. But I want us to look at the encounter. There are four things that I want you to notice about an encounter with God. Somebody say four things. Now, the four things are very simple. The first one is preparation for the encounter. Preparation for the encounter. And the second one is the purpose of the encounter with God. God does not come to encounter man for no reason. Hallelujah. When he comes, he has a purpose. Amen. The third one is the power of the encounter with God. Anybody who comes to meet God has a certain power he lives with. For instance, we know that when um, Jacob encountered God, his name was changed from Jacob, which means a trickster, to Israel, which means one that has favor with God and with men. Hallelujah. You see, so when you have an encounter with God, your name changes. When you have an encounter with God, your purpose in life changes. When you have an encounter with God, your destiny changes. The fourth one is that every encounter has a promise. Amen. Every encounter has a promise. So let's start with the preparation. Amen. If we want to have an encounter with God, we need to prepare. I said we need to prepare. A lot of times we don't have an encounter with God because we are not even aware of the presence of God. Amen. We are not aware of the presence of God. We don't go to the place where God is. You see, God is everywhere. But if you read the story, let's go back to verse 1. He says that, and Moses was tending the flock of his 
of Jethro, his father-in-law, the, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Amen. He says that he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Amen. Which means that the, there are a lot of mountains, but it's not every mountain that is a mountain of God. Amen. You see, if you want to encounter God, you have to be at the place where God is. If you want to encounter God, you have to be at the mountain of God. You have to be at the mountain of his word. You have to be at the place of his presence. Like you have come to church today. This is a place of God. This is a house of God. And if you are in a place of God or a house of God, then there is a possibility that you will encounter God. Or oh, I said there is a possibility that you encounter God. Because this is the house of God. Amen. You see, and when you come to the house of God, that's the presence of God. There's also another thing. Let's read on the, uh, with the story. The next, he said, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. How many will agree with me that when the bush is burning, it's an everyday occurrence, especially in the, in, the, in the desert or in a dry place where there are uh, like there are uh, leaves, dried leaves. Like in Aust Australia right now, there are bushfires all over the place. So the bushfire is not really something out of the ordinary. Are you with me? What made this particular thing out of the ordinary was that even though the bush was burning, the bush was not being consumed. What you must understand is that even in the ordinary, you have to be alert enough to see that there is something which is extraordinary about this. There is something extraordinary about this service. There is something extraordinary about today. There is something extraordinary about the message you are hearing. There is something extraordinary about today. If you are not observant, you will not encounter God. Am I talking to somebody? You see, God is everywhere. That is true. But when the presence of God comes, you have to know. You know, when, when uh, Isaac was asleep in the middle of the night and he saw a certain guy, and the guy came in a certain way, when he observed the guy, he knew that this is not an ordinary guy. For this guy, I need to encounter him. So the Bible says that, and Isaac started to fight with this God man. And when, as he was fighting with the God man, he realized that this man, his strength that he had was not ordinary. See, Isaac may have fought a lot of people in the past, but he realized this guy's strength, it is not just normal strength. So he said, he decided that he would not let this guy go unless the guy blesses him. And the Bible said, and, and the man touched the hollow of his thigh. He touched and, he, and his, his, his thigh, the, the, the thigh came out of joint. Can you imagine the pain? But because he was smart enough, he knew that this guy is not an ordinary man. Even though I'm in pain and I'm struggling, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to make sure that nobody will dis dis disturb me. Nobody will distract me. I need to have an encounter. He said, man, you have to bless me before you go. The man was saying, listen, it's, it's getting day. I need to go before the day breaks. He said, no, 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 I'm not leaving you. I am not leaving you. I need to have the purpose of this encounter has to be 
realized. Otherwise, the fight I have fought all night will be in vain. Hallelujah. And so he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Trickster. My name is Hill Grabber. My name is Thief. And he said, no, that is not your name. Man may have called you a hill snatcher, a hill grabber, a, 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 a trickster, but that is not your name. Because your name in the heavenly records, your name is Israel, which means one that has favor with God and one that has favor with men. Your, your Jacob name, it is not a name that is noticed in heaven. So you see that anytime God wanted to address Jacob for his shady lifestyle, he calls him Jacob. Anytime God wanted to address the destiny of Jacob, he calls him Israel. Anytime Israel as a nation sent, he called them the sons of Jacob. Anytime he wanted to bless them, he called them Israel. Touch your neighbor and say that your name has changed today. Hallelujah. So you see, you must be smart enough to see when God appears. You see, there may be a, a sermon that everybody's listening to. But you alone, God could be saying something specific. God could be saying something to you. You must be smart enough and clever enough to know that this thing that I'm hearing, it is God that is talking to me. Am I talking to somebody? This thing is not, you see, it, we, 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 the presence of God, for some of us in this room, the presence of, we've never ever felt God's presence. We don't even know how it feels like because we are walking blind, walking deaf, without any smell, any sensation. We don't sense his presence. We don't sense anything. But today I want you to be sensitive. I say from today, be sensitive. To the presence of God. To the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Because he, God has an encounter that is waiting. Somebody say, I have, my encounter is waiting. Oh, my encounter is waiting. You see, the day I encounter God, all my frustrations will come to an end. Can you imagine somebody who is a prince in Egypt? He has servants at his beck and call. Anything he wants, it's just an, um, a, a voice command away. And he gets it. He claps and then they bring fruits. He commands and then he gets wine. He commands and he gets food. He commands and then people just go and do things for him. And now he's walking miles and miles looking for food, water to drink. Because he has made the mistake of killing an Egyptian. And now he's in the desert. Can you imagine in the desert there's no shelter? I say the desert there's no shelter. There is no, uh, uh, he, he, he's open to the elements. I don't know how many lions threatened his life. I don't know how many jackals threatened his life. I don't know how many uh, things came after him. But you see, when he had an encounter with God, his story changed. I say when he had an encounter with God, his story changed. Now, he didn't have to chase or run away from lions anymore. Now, he has to go and face Pharaoh. Now, he is the leader of three million Jews. 
an encounter will change your destiny. Or oh, I say, an, an encounter will change your destiny. Amen. The next one is that every encounter has a purpose. Let's read the story. Let's go on. And Moses said, I will now turn aside. Let's go on quickly. Verse 4. So he, when the Lord saw that he turned aside, when the Lord, let me still go back on, on one. That's preparation. So when the Lord turned, he saw that he turned aside to look. The Lord called to him in the, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now, one thing you must realize is that any, the, 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 the scripture started, the first verse started by saying, or the second verse said that the angel of the Lord. How many noticed that? He said, the angel of the Lord. Then now, in verse 4, he says that, and God. As we go on the story, you realize that it was not the angel of the Lord, but it was God himself. But that angel that is, is calling, or God that is calling, in this Old Testament, we now know that that actual angel was Jesus Christ. The spokesman of the Trinity that was in that bush. Who was speaking? See, Jesus is the one we need to encounter. I said, Jesus is the one we need to encounter. Jesus is the one we need to encounter. And when he comes, he comes as a rima word. He comes as a living word. That changes you. Sometimes you'll be reading the Bible. If you are sensitive, you realize that this is not ordinary quiet time I'm having. But this particular time that I'm reading the Bible, it is God that is talking to me personally. Because even though it looks like an angel, we realize that this is not an angel. This is God himself talking. Amen. This is God himself talking. And a bush... I don't want to go on because if I go on, the, 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 this story is loaded. You realize that burning of the bush signifies sin. Are you with me? Sin in our lives. And as we keep sinning, sometimes the, the, the sin doesn't finish. Because we sin, we, we, we ask for forgiveness. And sometimes we go back and do the same thing. You would think that the sin one day, as the fire consumes it, you must go. But it doesn't finish. But I'm going to leave that alone. Let's go on to the next point. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take off the sandals of your feet. For the place that you are standing is holy ground. One of the main features of anybody who comes into contact with God and has an encounter with God is your sin becomes apparent to you. Amen. Anybody who comes into contact with God, the first thing is that depart from me, O oh Lord, I'm a sinful man. Remember that story? I am a man of unclean lips. When Jesus encountered the man, he said, what did he say? Depart from me. Peter, in Luke 5, what did he say? Depart from me. I'm not, I'm not worthy to have you in my house. Hallelujah. It is something that happens all the time. The reason is that, you see, if we, 
keep sin in our hearts, there's no way we can see God. There's a scripture in, in Psalm 24, verse 3. He says that, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who will stand in his holy place? It is the one who has clean hands. Who's, verse 4, the one who has clean hands and pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully. You need purity to encounter God. Amen. And we know in 1 John 1 that if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar or we lie and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 says that, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us. Amen. To cleanse us. And the way to cleanse you from all unrighteousness is what makes you a candidate for the encounter. Amen. So Moses, you need to take off your, the, the, the shoes. Your shoes represent the steps that have led you into sin. The places you have gone. You see, anytime you go through a, 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 mad, a, a, a sandy place or a muddy place, the mud or the sand sticks to your shoe. How many know what I'm talking about? So as we walk in life, mud sticks to our shoes. A lot of mess sticks to our shoes. A lot of things happen to us. So as we encounter the presence of God, if we have our shoes on, it's the mud that we have. And God cannot speak to us. Some churches have made a doctrine out of this where anytime they go to church, they have to remove their shoes. But they sin the most <laughs> with their shoes off. No, no, no. That's not what it is. It's a symbol to say that if you want to encounter God, have clean feet. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, have clean feet. You see, let's make sure that anytime we are approaching the place where God is, we don't approach with our sins, ask for forgiveness. Ask for cleansing. Rid yourself of every sin. Make sure that you are standing in righteousness. There was a guy in the Bible called David. We know David as a very, very not so correct guy. But he was a master at God's living with God and having a relationship with God because he recognized any and every time that I need to be pure before I face him. So when any time God appears, he is the first to lift up his hands and say, that, hey, I'm, it's my fault. I am I'm wrong. Hey, I'm wrong. Hey, it's me. It's me. I'm saying, no. You see, somebody like Saul will say, no, no, it's not my fault. It's the people. It's not, it's this, it's that. Make excuses, but not David. It is me. I have done it. Know that my, it is not me. It is, it is my form, the way I am. For out of iniquity did my mother conceive me. I was made in the frame of sin. I'm trying, God. Help me. Hallelujah. Oh, am I talking to somebody? So, so it, it, it gives God the chance and it gives God the opportunity to relate with the guy. Because this is the guy who is in touch with 
himself. He is in touch with what is going on. So that when he sins, he is not even waiting for you to come and say it. If you read the Psalms, you realize all the time he wants to be with God. And not only that, he wants God to forgive, wash him quickly so that he can have an encounter with God. Some of us, when we sin, that is when we, we decide that we are at loggerheads with God. How many know what I'm talking about? As soon as you do something wrong, then you decide that I'm not going to talk to God for another week or two weeks or three weeks. How many know? You know somebody who knows somebody who does that? Give me a wave. Oh, only two people. Father, the rest of them, the spirit of lying is on them. Hallelujah. You know somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you have mutual interest with the person. Okay. Mercy. Let's read on. Let's read on. Where are we? Verse 5. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. Now, you see, the next thing is that he's about to give him the reason why he has come. Amen. He's about to give him the reason why he has descended. God's presence is not just for the sake of his presence. He comes for a reason. Amen. I said to you that the first one is that you need to prepare for the encounter. The next one is the purpose of the encounter. Every encounter has a purpose. When God appears to you, he has something that he wants to tell you. He has a command for you. He has an, a reason why he's come to you. And make sure that you get that reason. Am I talking to somebody? Make sure you get that reason. The, the next one, he says that, and he says, I am the God of your father, the God of uh, uh, Jacob, God of, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Next verse. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. Now, how many know that this is the problem that may, brought Moses to the backside of the desert? He tried to solve this problem with his own physical strength. And that is why he has, his blessing and destiny has delayed another 40 years. As we're having this conversation, Brother Moses is 80 years old. He was supposed to have been in this destiny at the age of 40. But how many know that the callings and the giftings of God is without repentance. Anytime God says something about you, even if it takes 100 years, he doesn't change his mind. You may go through waterless places. You may go through desert places. You may go through places that you have no business being in. But if, if God is God, he will surely bring that purpose to a pass. Even after 40 years, you would have thought that God had forgotten. Even Moses had forgotten his destiny and purpose by now. But God hadn't. God could have chosen somebody else. How many know that? It was more convenient because that person is already in Egypt. 
That person is already alive. That person is already around. So that person could have been the best candidate for God. But not so. God says that no, no, no. The man who has made a mistake trying to deliver these people by his own strength is the same man I'm going to use. Same person. I am not ready to change my mind. I am not ready to change anything. He is the same guy. He is the same guy. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry and because of their taskmasters, I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and a large land, to a place that flows with milk and honey. Amen. Now, how many know that this particular phrase, a, a land that flows with milk and honey, figuratively, in this context, is talking about the land of the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites. But spiritually, God is talking about heaven. So what he's trying to say is that, I have come to deliver you from sin and bondage and to take you from where you are to heaven, to a large land that flows with milk and honey. We know that the land of the Perizzites, the the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, Amorites, it doesn't flow with milk and honey. But God always referred to it as a land that flows with milk and honey because figuratively, he was talking about, spiritually, he was talking about heaven. Pastor Sam, come and sit down. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? So he had a purpose for Brother Moses. The purpose is, I am still going to use you to deliver my people. Now let's read on. Let's see what Moses says. No, 10. Therefore, behold, the cry of the children. Okay, 11. I said 10, 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? That I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. How many know that when Pharaoh, when, uh, when Moses was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was in the same house, same palace with all the children of Pharaoh. They must have grown up together. We are talking about about 80 years on. So, the likely possibility is that the old Pharaoh has died. How many follow what I'm saying? And this particular Pharaoh who is sitting there, even even though the name is still Pharaoh, Pharaoh, this Pharaoh must have grown up with Moses. They must have played together. They must have been in the same classroom together. They must have had, I mean, a lot of interaction with that together. Maybe they slept in the same room. Hallelujah. But he is saying that, who am I? 
You know, sometimes sin has a way of making you small, reducing you to nothing. Because this is, this is your colleague. This is your, your, your brother. This is somebody that you may even be older than. Maybe if Moses was doing better at school than this Pharaoh. Hallelujah. How many can I, uh, you see, I always tell, tell you that, make sure you read the Bible in, in moving picture form so you can understand it better. It could be that this particular guy, you know him. I mean, how many have like siblings who are now sitting in high op- uh, positions that you remember? Like, oh, this guy, I mean, like, I remember, you know, I went somewhere, my friend, I was told that my friend is the uh, CEO of this company. I was like, this guy, I remember, I don't want to say some things, these days, <laughs> things go far. But I remember, I walked into his office, I said, ah, like, the way the guy was talking to me, like, listen, now things have changed, I'm not, the guy used to know back then. But see, sin will make you always feel inferior. Sin will always make you feel as if you are less than. And Moses was saying that, who am I? That I should go to the, to, to Pharaoh and that I should bring the people of Egypt, uh, of Israel out of Egypt. Next verse. So he said, I will certainly be with you. This is God now trying to convince Moses. I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign that I have, have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Amen. You will see that he gave, God gave Moses three signs. Three signs. Let's read on. First one. Then Moses said, indeed, when I come to the, to the place and they say to him, the God of your fathers have sent me, they will say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said, when you go, tell them, I am who I am. I share, I hear, I share. I am who I am. Because whatever you call me, that's me. If you call me the king of kings, I am. If you call me lord of lords, I am. If you call me the God of Israel, I am. If you call me the God of the universe, I am. If you call me the God of prosperity, I am. If you call me the God of all powers, I am. Whatever you call me, I am who I am. I am everything. What God was trying to tell Moses is that don't limit me. You know, when we say uh, Jehovah Jireh, it's a limitation of God. Because you've only limited him to a provider. Jehovah Rafi or Rahi, he says one thing. Are you with me? Jehovah Shikenu is one thing. But when you say I am, it covers everything. Because everything you say, I am. Hallelujah. Now, can you see that this guy is trying to make excuses? You see, anytime you have something that is God-given, that thing looks bigger than you. Anytime God instructs you to do something for him, it is not something your own strength can do. If your own strength can do it, then it's not from God. 
Am I talking to somebody? Because if you don't feel inadequate in yourself and in your ability to achieve that thing, then it's not God. When it's God, you feel like how Moses will felt. Next verse. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, the, God, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac. You know, anytime God starts mentioning Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he's talking about covenant. Saying the God of your covenant, your covenant with your forefathers, this is the God that has come. Am I talking to somebody? This is my name forever. This is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I've said, I will bring you out, out of affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gigashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, to the land flowing with milk and honey. Next verse. Then they will heed to your voice, and you shall come, and you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, or the God of Hebrews, has sent me, has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord. Amen. The story goes on and on, but you, you see, let me give you the three things, the three excuses that, or the three things that signs that God gave to Moses. Are you ready? Or oh, I said, are you ready? Three things. The first thing is turning. Let's read on. Let's read on. We'll see it. We'll see it here. But I'm, I'm sure that the king of Egypt would not let you go, and not even by a mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand. And strike Egypt with wonders that I will do in the midst and after he will let you go. And I will give these people the favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Go on, next verse, next verse. And every man shall have a neighbor. Okay, next verse. Let's go on. And most, most as I suppose they do not listen to me and my voice. Go on. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, okay, now this rod is going to be a, a nuclear missile. It's a ballistic missile. As soon as you put it down, it will turn into a sneak. Amen. That's one, one of the things God gave him. Next one. Reached out into his hand and took the tail, caught it. Okay, next verse, quickly. Next verse. Put your hand in your bosom and take it out. And it became leprous. That's the next sign, isn't it? Okay, let's read on. 
Then the next one, it says that I will turn the water of the Nile into blood. So three things. First one, your, your staff is going to, your rod is going to be a snake. Number two, your hand. You can, you can do miracles. You see, what God was trying to say to Moses is this, that miracles and signs is not a very reliable proof of God's presence. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. Because you will see that after all these signs that Moses did, Pharaoh was not moved. Because every sign that Moses did, the Egyptians did the same. See, in this day, most of us as Christians, we are very, very taken in by miracle signs and wonders. When somebody does a magic, we are, hey, God is here. No, God is not here. Because Pharaoh can also do the same miracle. I, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because it's like the rod. Pharaoh also, they put the rod there. Then they all turn into snake. The only problem is that the snakes of Pharaoh's magicians were all swallowed up. And the, the, the snake of Moses never put on weight. He ate, but he never put on weight. Hallelujah. The next one, he did a magic. He put his hand in the bosom, took it out. It became white as snow. He put it back in. He was healed. So healing, they also did the same. They changed the water from its color to red. They were not moved until the presence of the Holy Ghost came and separated between Goshen and Egypt where God's presence makes a difference. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Don't follow miracle signs and wonder. Follow his presence because his presence is what makes the difference. When the presence is with you, it's different. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. When the presence, you see, when you encounter, we've talked about the preparation of the encounter. We've talked about the purpose of the encounter. The next thing we're talking about is the presence of the encounter. The power of the encounter. The power of the encounter is the presence of God. Amen. When God comes into your, your life, he empowers you. See, when you read the story of Jacob and his encounter with God, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And the Bible says that from that day onwards, he got favor. Remember, this time he was running away. He was coming to meet his brother. And he was scared of his brother. Are you with me? Because he knew that his brother wanted to kill him. Even though time had passed, he still wasn't sure. So he had divided his family into two different parts, two companies, and sent them that if they kill this company, at least I'll have this company. If they kill this company, at least I'll have this company. And even that, he was not sure. So he didn't go with either of the companies. He stayed behind. Hallelujah. And this time he's alone. The companies have gone ahead of him. But because of the encounter he had with God, he goes and after this place, he goes to meet Esau. 
And as soon as he sees Esau, he lies down. Almost saying that if you want to kill me, you can kill me now. Esau said, get up, you are my brother. And Esau had favor with him. He said, all the things that you took, forget about it. Even me, God has blessed me here. Even me, God has blessed me. And the Bible says, and Esau blessed Jacob. Blessed him. He said, let's come. You see, when a man's life is with God, God makes even his enemies be at peace with him. God makes his enemies even have, you know, favor him. This year, you'll be walking in some favor that you don't deserve. Just because of the encounter you've had with God, there'll be some favors. Even your enemies will favor you. Even people that you naturally don't like you will begin to like you. Because of the encounter, the heavens are open. Favor with men, favor with God. An open, uh, that, that is like an open blank check, which means that any prayer you say, heaven endorses it. Anybody you meet, they approve of you. How many want that blessing? Yeah. So God's encounter gives you power. It empowers you. The last one was what? There is a promise attached to every encounter. There's a promise. How many realize that the angel that Jacob encountered promised him something? He promised him that you have favor with men and with God. Nobody will be able to overcome you. That is why Israel to today, no country, any country that tried to Fight Israel doesn't prosper. So even when Israel misbehaves, all the countries like them. Hallelujah. You know, you have smart countries like America. They say, whatever Israel does, we support. Even when it doesn't make sense, they say they support. Because they know that anyone that blesses that nation is blessed. Anyone that curses that nation is cursed. And, and why? They are ordinary people. But because of the encounter they had with God, there was a promise attached. Anybody that blesses you, anybody that blesses your land will have a blessed land. Anybody that curses your land will have a cursed land. Can you imagine everything, conventionally, everything they are doing is wrong. How do you go to somebody's land, house, and take his land? And when a person talks, you beat them and push them away. In fact, at the point... The, Philist, the Palestinians realize that it's better not to fight with them. Because anytime they engage them in a conflict, they lose more land. Because it's like you, they push you back. So now they've given them a strip. A Gaza strip. A little strip of land. And they put walls. Can you imagine you are in your own country. Somebody has come and taken part of your country and put a wall. Don't cross here. If you are crossing, you have to get a visa. It don't make sense. But an encounter comes with a promise. I say an encounter comes with a promise. May you receive the promise of God today. May you receive God's blessings for your life today. In 2020, may you, these legs and these feet, look at your feet. 
they walk in places you never thought possible. After we pray, things are going to change in your life. How many believe that things are going to change? 